Welcome in to another episode of Home Field Advantage. Hope you're all having a great year, new year, whatever, however you're listening to this podcast across our great country or our great land. It is December 30th, 2023. I'm recording on location. This will be released on New Year's Eve. It is my, I guess, pseudo year in review for the year of 2023. I apologize if there's some background noise, but we're just doing it a little bit differently today. No music, no pomp, no circumstance. There's going to be plenty of that uh, in the next 48 hours as we head into 2024. But I thought this was a good chance to look back at some of the biggest stories we talked about on the program in 2023. Um, Particularly... I chose 14 topics. I just went through the previous episodes um, from, you know, beginning at the Winter Classic almost a year ago, all the way to uh, recently uh, here in the month of December. It was a hell of a year, and there were a lot of sports stories that I think, I I mean, we may have forgotten about, honestly, um, but that have that have certainly become become commonplace now uh that that I've thought of them again it's like how how could I have forgotten that this existed uh it was such a uh, important event um when it when it happened um so yeah geez these cars in the background are really loud I'm sorry about all that um I'm going to begin in chronological order I think what I did is I went back and I looked at all the episodes and there were a lot of them that happened in February, February, March, April. And then, you know, through the summer, it was a little quiet. And then the fall was packed uh, and into the winter. So we're just going to go chronologically with what I have. We won't spend too much time on each topic. Just more of a review of each thing and, and, and what's happened since. So if those of you who remember on January 2nd, 2023 was the Winter Classic at Fenway Park. I was there with my brother-in-law. It was epic. It was amazing. It was such a great moment for the city of Boston, for the Bruins, for the hockey world, and for fans like he and I. We had a hell of a time. Uh, Jake DeBrus scored a goal late to tie the game and then another goal... um, to take the lead with, I think, two minutes to go. And it was the loudest I've ever heard Fenway Park. It was an amazing day. But later that day, on Monday Night Football, the sports world had one of its scariest moments in a long time. And that was when Bill's safety, Damar Hamlin, collapsed on the field and was taken to a local hospital in Cincinnati. Um, It was something I didn't see live because I was really tired and went to bed early. But certainly something that I remember at the time shaking the sports world. And it, and it seems that now he is uh, close to making a recovery. And he has, uh, I'm, I'm maybe mistaken, but I think he's even suited up a little bit for the Bills this year. So just an incredible story of perseverance and gratitude uh, for the sports medicine staff. About a month later, Tom Brady retired from the NFL. Now, this is the second time, almost a year after the first time in February of 2022. 
Tom Brady announced his retirement in an Instagram video, I believe, from a beach in Florida. Coincidentally enough, I was about 100 miles away offshore at the time of that retirement. I was on a beach in the Bahamas when I realized that Tom Brady had retired. Um, I had paid for the internet package on a cruise and got the notification on my phone, and I wasn't really looking at my phone. You know, I, I was on, I was on vacation, but I kept certain notifications from you know certain sports outlets, just in case something like this happened, and it certainly did. Uh, so I was on a beach in the Bahamas, and Tom Brady was on a beach in Florida when I found out he retired. Uh, he of course did not make a triumphant comeback. A second time, he simply stayed retired and has and has worked on uh, various other projects. Uh, later that month, Full Swing uh, debuted on Netflix. That was the golf documentary. We saw a lot about the live fracture. We saw a lot about the personal lives of folks like Matt Fitzpatrick and and uh, Tony Finau and and Brooks Kepka and others. Uh, Jordan Spieth, Ju- uh, Justin Thomas, several other different golfers as well. Um, were contributing to that. It was a fantastic documentary, and I'm really looking forward to season two. But what that did was that propelled the golf season in 2023. Got a lot more people interested in golf. So I'm looking forward to season two of that, uh, because we'll get to see a little bit more uh, of what happened this year. The fourth thing I had was just a month after that, Shohei Otani and Mike Trout squared off both Angels superstars at the time, squared off in the World Baseball Classic final between the USA and Japan. In fact, they faced each other in the final out when Shohei struck out Mike Trout to clinch the championship for Japan. It was an amazing moment in baseball, and I think it's something that a lot of people will look back on now that they're still both playing in LA. Shohei Otani, of course, playing for the uh, excuse me, the Dodgers now. All right, and then about six weeks after that, the Bruins concluded a historic regular season in which they had the most points and the most wins of any team in the history of the league um, for an 82-game schedule. It was uh, extraordinary, and it was uh, something that I I can't believe still happened. They were such a wagon last year. They've been pretty good this year, but last year they were on another level. They were winning games that they didn't look like they should win. They were winning games in dominant ways. They were winning on the road. They were winning at home. Linus Allmark was amazing. Patrice Bergeron won a Selkie trophy. It was uh, Allmark won the Vesna. It was a historic regular season. But it's also accompanied by a historic playoff collapse, uh, losing uh, at the hands of the Florida Panthers in Game 7 at home after having a going down early, tying the game, taking the lead, having a lead with under a minute to go when Florida scored to tie the game, and Florida winning in overtime. That is after them blowing leads in Game 6. And then also squandering chances in Game 5 to put the Panthers away. And for that, they were sent packing. It was a historic upset. And it was one of the biggest gut punches I've ever felt as a sports fan. Right up there with the Tyree catch. Or the 2019 Stanley Cup Final. Or the Aaron Boone home run. Uh, It was right there with all of them. 
All right, uh, speaking of gut punches, the city of Oakland has gotten a ton of gut punches over the, over the years. The Raiders moving to Vegas, the Warriors moving across the Bay to San Francisco. Um, but ultimately, this one hurts the most, and that's the Oakland A's moving to Las Vegas as well. Uh, that news broke and was solidified in 2023. It started around the beginning of the season in April, but it continued all year and was made official in the fall. Uh, that is on top of the A's having an absolutely horrible season where they were terrible and they lost a boatload of games and, and it's just a downhill for what was once a strong franchise. So I, I feel for them. Uh, that was something I talked a lot about this year. All right. Brooks Kepka won the PGA championship in June, or maybe that was May. I can't remember. Uh, he was really competitive at the end of the Masters and he came out strong and won the PGA Championship uh, a major as a live golf defector Um, and it was a big deal for Brooks to get back to the mountaintop dealing with everything he had gone through being how dominant he was in 2017-2018 to then get back to the top of the mountain and winning a major is huge. Uh, Another huge thing that happened over the summer was the news that Messi was going to enter Miami. This might have been the biggest sports story of the year, if I had to handicap it. Um, Pardon the golf pun. But I talked about this at length. It's a huge story. It hasn't really materialized as much for American interest in the MLS. This is something I talked a lot about with Josh Ricker back in September. But in terms of American interest in the sport, I think it's going to take a little bit more time to materialize um, into a intangible benefit. I think you've seen the tangible benefit of people who were already soccer fans investing more into the MLS or people who were maybe soccer fans abroad uh, investing more time and money into Messi and the MLS. But I don't really think it's moved the needle per se on locals, but it could, it could be something that... Uh, that just takes a little bit more time. Um, but either way, the commercial benefits be for themselves. I went over that a few weeks ago. It's, it's incredible. Uh, and it's a, it's a big deal. Another thing that was a big deal this year was Connor Bedard getting drafted. He was probably the biggest prospect the NHL has seen since McDavid. And he did not disappoint. Uh, I believe, what was it? He scored... Did he get a goal in his first game against the Bruins? Or did I know he played the Bruins and he got a goal or a point. It was in the Bruins' first game. I don't know if it was the Blackhawks' first game, but it was a big deal. And Bedard's been somebody who is going to have to live up to all this hype. But I think so far this season, uh, even if his, his numbers are really good, but the team is really bad, I think everybody expected that. Um, the Taylor Hall injury didn't help, but Connor Bedard certainly somebody uh, to keep an eye on as the years go by because I feel like in 24, 25, 26, 27, we're going to be talking a lot about Connor Bedard. Another big story this year involving a particular athlete was uh, Harry Kane going to Bayern Munich. Um, he had played over a decade uh, at Tottenham Hotspur, and ultimately it was time he felt to try a different uh, 
route and go play in a different league. He left the Premier League as one of its most prolific goal scorers of all time. He was certainly, I think, the best player to ever play for Tottenham Hotspur. Um, but unfortunately for him uh, he and for the club, he never won there. And that was a big question um, for him. And so ultimately he, he decided that those two things were were sort of linked together and, and went over to Bayern Munich. And so far he's just absolutely dominated there as well. Uh, somebody who didn't dominate in his job was Heimbloom. And Heimbloom was fired as Red Sox general manager or pl- president of baseball operations or whatever the heck they're calling it uh, back in um, September. Craig Breslow was subsequently hired in October. And since then, the Red Sox really haven't done much, except yesterday they did ink Lucas Giolito on a two-year term uh, for about $17 million per year. Uh, maybe about $19 million per year, somewhere in between. And uh, so that had some fans excited, but Heimbloom and the Red Sox just ne- never really were a fit. I've talked about that a lot. That was one of the big stories I talked about this year was the Red Sox and their lack of direction, and, and it really hurt them. And ultimately, it's going to be on Craig Breslow in 2024 to get them back on track. All right, Patriots, they also struggled to get on track this year, and they also had a lot of drama. I've talked about that a lot, and that will certainly be something that we talk more about in 2024. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because we spent a lot of time on it the last few months, but ultimately, it's going to be it's going to be a huge story. The Belichick thing, the quarterback room, the future of the team, the future of the ownership, who's running the show, all this stuff. We're going to know a lot more about it in a month or so. Um, and it's going to set the stage for a lot of changes or maybe even no changes. Time will tell. Uh, time will also tell if the Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift romance uh, is one that will stay, but it was certainly a big story in the world of sports this fall. Uh, there's no denying that, no matter what you think about it. Um, it was a big story, and it remains to be a big story. Uh, just look at the amount of uh, increases in the female demographic in with interest in the NFL since September. Uh, that's not a coincidence. Uh, she has done tremendous things um, for uh, his notoriety as well. I mean, he was in a lot of commercials already because of his um, Super Bowl appearance alongside his brother and his mom and everything that happened back in February. Uh, but Travis Kelsey, make no mistake, has benefited from this uh, in terms of uh, national notoriety. He went from being a football celebrity to sort of a national celebrity uh, because of his romance with Taylor Swift. And and similarly, I think I think she's benefited a little bit from the uh, from the from the idea that fans will see her outside of her usual concerts or documentaries or music videos or what have you. Um, and so it's been something that, look, if it bothers you, then I, I understand if you don't like all the drama and all the focus. Um, but of all the things to get worked up about in the world of sports, I, I don't think it's it's up there. I think it's something that is kind of funny and interesting to see develop uh, from a uh, sociological standpoint, at least. 
Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. Two more things. Um, first thing is, uh, you, you may remember that I spent a lot of time talking about, uh, the tragedy that hit my community in October. Uh, that was, we had a mass shooting in which, uh, I believe 14, uh, excuse me, 18, uh, people were, uh, were killed and it was, uh, it was extremely uh, tragic and, um, and, I, I I still to this day two months later um, think about it and, and shiver at times uh, with with all of the uh, with all of the heartache and and just it, it's really you can tell me talking right now it's just really hard to put into words uh, how difficult it was um, but one of the things that came out of it was a rallying around Maine and particularly the city of Lewiston that I had hadn't seen. Uh, on a national stage um, before, uh, you know, Maine, and I say this, I say this with, you know, sort of a little bit of sarcasm. Uh, Maine was sort of the place where the weatherman had his head when he would give the forecast for the rest of the East Coast, right? Like, he'd stand there and tell you about the weather in Philadelphia and Boston and New York, and then his head would be covering Maine, and no one really cared about Maine. Uh, and then, you know, this happened and Maine got a little bit of focus for a little bit and, um, people began to pay attention to the soul of Mainers, right? And how, and how we care for one another and how we rally around one another. And the city of Boston jumped on our back the same way we jumped on their back, uh, following the marathon bombings, they were the Bruins were putting up the 207 strong jersey. The Celtics had things on their jerseys. People were putting up signs all over New England. Uh, it was I, I was I was um, I was at TD Garden the day after Thanksgiving, about a month after the tragedy, and a worker recognized my my town on my driver's license, um, at one of the concession stands and told me that he was sorry for what had happened in my community. So we, we got a little bit of, uh, we got a, a little bit of support. I'd actually say a lot of support, uh, in, in the weeks and months since then. And, and it's something I'm truly appreciative of. And it has happened in the world of sports as well. Even the Lewiston boys soccer team, who ended up winning the state championship in a Cinderella-like manner, uh, they were able to ring the bell at Gillette Stadium just a few weeks ago. So uh, it, it's hard to talk about still, um, but for all of my listeners, and you guys know who you are, who reached out during that time, I certainly uh, appreciate it and appreciate all of you. All right, and the last thing that happened in 2023, worth noting about, that will have ramifications in 2024, is the college football playoff controversy. All right, I've had, I've had some people challenge me on this, um, no, multiple people, and uh, I, I have stayed put. I do not think that Florida State getting left out is as big of a bag job that everyone else thinks it is. Where, did they get screwed? Absolutely. Was it something that shouldn't have happened? Yes. However, it is not as if Texas or Alabama did not deserve it as well. 
you can say, what makes a school power five, right? Well, what makes a school power five is their ability to recruit and the money that they have, right? So in that, you are saying that a undefeated power five team like Florida State should get preferential treatment simply because they're a power five team over another undefeated conference champ like Liberty. Now, people will say, well, Florida State and Liberty, they're not even on the same playing field. Correct. Which is part of the problem. All right. To me, it's less about Florida versus Bama. Excuse me, Florida State versus Bama. And more about Florida State versus the rest of the FBS. I think Texas got in because they beat Bama. And I think Bama got in because they beat Georgia in a conference championship and Georgia had lost in two years. Those things are pretty much undisputed. Georgia was a consensus best team in the country for two years. Back-to-back national championship winners. Bama beat them in the SEC championship with the playoffs on the line after they had struggled to beat Auburn the week before. They did it. It happened. Meanwhile, Texas had one loss all year in the Red River shootout to rival Oklahoma on a neutral site. But they beat Alabama in week two. And they beat a lot of good ranked teams over the years. So those two teams deserve to get in. And then, of course, we know Washington and Michigan did as well. But with Florida State, again, I'll just say this. Because this is a big thing. And we've got the Sugar Bowl and the Rose Bowl coming up on Monday. If you're listening you know, during the week, you know what happened in those games. I'll give my picks there in a second. Florida State, if you think they should be, be in simply because they're an undefeated Power 5 conference champ, then you are bringing the subjective into the non-subjective. Excuse me, you are, br- right, you are bringing the subjective into the objective. I'll say that one more time. If you think Florida State should have gotten in because... They were an undefeated Power 5 conference champ. And I agree, they probably should have gotten in. But it's not that big of a bag job. Because if you, if you believe that, then you're believing that the subjective can replace the objective. And what I mean by that is, Florida State being a Power 5 conference is a subjective thing. Nobody sits down at the beginning of the year and says, well... Who, who do we want to bring into the Power 5 this year based on how good their team is, right? Who do we want to bring into the Power 5? Power 5, you might think is an objective thing, but as I said a few minutes ago, the Power 5 is made up of teams and that are in conferences that have the most money and the most leverage. That is a subjective thing, right? That makes the Power 5 subjective. Because then the power five is just who has the most money. It's not who has the best football team. It's which schools have the biggest brands and the most money, which in and of itself can be a subjective thing. So by doing that, the process is already starting off uneven. That they're automatically, because they're a power five team, going to be treated differently than Liberty. So the same people that say, that Florida State, because they're a Power 5 team and they're in a better conference and they're in the, the better this and the better that, they're making the same argument that people make about Alabama. Oh, well, Alabama's in the SEC. They're in a better conference. They're better than the Atlantic Coast. Well, that's a, 
That sounds a lot like the people that say Florida State was in a better conference and had a better team than Liberty or than any other undefeated Division I team in the country. So by saying they should be in just because they're an undefeated Power 5 conference champ, you're making a, you're making a line in the sand already the same way that people make a line in the sand about the SEC and the Big 12 and the Big 10 compared to the ACC. So if you want to stand on your two feet and make an argument about the Power 5 and undefeated conference champ, look, I get it. They got screwed. But it's not as big of a bag job as you think if you factor in all these other things. Because if you're going to make that argument about it being a bag job because they were undefeated and they were Power 5 conference champ, then you should, you should recognize that the Power 5 in and of itself is an unfair thing made up of teams with the most money, the most leverage, and the most power. If it was truly about fielding the best football team and not the best team with the best resumes, which is what I've said all along, they have to look at the season as a whole and who beat who, who when they beat them, and how they beat them, then, 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 then they did the right thing. You know, they if that's what they did, then they did the right thing. If it was about the if it was about if it was about choosing the four best teams, they would have they would have picked the the four undefeated teams that won their conference, which was Florida State, Liberty. You know, Michigan and Washington. Bam and Texas would have been out. So, if you want to play the Power Five game, that that makes sense. I get it. But then someone's getting left out anyway, because if winning your conference and being undefeated is a big deal, great. We slot in Florida State. All right. So now who gets in? Alabama or Texas? Well, Texas beat Bama. But Bama plays in a better conference than Texas. So if it's truly about being in a better conference, then wouldn't you put Alabama in because they were in a better conference? You know, if, if Florida State's in a better conference than Liberty and Alabama's in a better conference than Texas, then why didn't Florida State get in over Liberty and why didn't Bama get in over Texas, and then you would have had a Washington, Michigan, Florida State, and Bama. Well, that's because Texas beat Bama. So the same people that say all this and say that the regular season doesn't matter, it does matter. Because it matters who you beat in the regular season. And Texas and Bama beat better teams in their conference during the regular season than Florida State did. That's just a fact. And so... As we get ready for the Sugar Bowl and the Rose Bowl, I just wanted to reiterate that again because I've had some – I've had not one, but I've had, I think, two or three listeners over the last couple of weeks challenge me on that. And, and I get it. It's, a, it's an emotional thing. And college sports is emotional. But I think we can all agree an expanded playoff is a must. That said, I like in the Rose Bowl – I like Alabama for the upset. Um, I think Michigan has an extreme amount of pressure on them. All right. I like Alabama for the upset. I really do. Uh, I think that will be a defensive battle. I think Nick Saban is battle-tested in the college football playoff. I think Michigan, as I said, has a ton of pressure. And if things don't go perfect for them, 
you know, they're not going to get the benefit of playing an Ohio State Ohio State team that's not up to the task, right? They're going. This is going to be the best team they played all year. Um, and I I I like I like Alabama in the upset. I really do. Uh, and then over in the Sugar Bowl, I like Texas uh, with another upset. I think we're going to get a Bama versus Texas in the in the national championship, a rematch of that game that started all this madness uh, back in the fall. And I think that's what we're going to get in Houston. And I think it's going to be a raucous environment because Houston, you know, think about where Austin is. Think about where Tuscaloosa is. Houston's pretty uh, it, it favors closer to Austin for sure, but you're going to get a ton of fans from down there, and it is going to be a wild atmosphere. So that is my take. I'm going, I'm going Texas beats Washington in a shootout, and I think Alabama pulls out a win out of their ass against Michigan, um, with Michigan having all the pressure in the world on them to win. All right, that's going to do it for my year in review. I think that's what we have to look for on the first day of 2024. We also have the Winter Classic up in Seattle between the Golden Knights and the Kraken. That will be cool. Two expansion teams will have all kinds of stuff happening in 2024 uh, on this program. I look forward to having you all listen to us then. It's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot to cover. We're only going to get bigger. I appreciate all of you who've listened to me in 2023. You make the show worth it. Um, You are awesome listeners and you give me great ideas. You come, a lot of you come on the program as well. Um, And it's truly a special thing to be a part of. Um, So that being said, if you haven't subscribed, please do wherever you get your podcasts. You can also, um, Uh, Follow us on socials at HomeFieldPod on Instagram and on Twitter. But until 2024, my name is Will Highland. I wish you all a happy new year. You've been listening to Homefield Advantage.